0: You're listening to the Business Matters podcast in association with Physio Matters and part of the Physio Matters network. This is the first episode of our brand new show with myself, Jack Chew, and Rob Bevan, and we're going to be talking from the from the grassroots, from the shop floor of therapy business, uh, where we want to try and help raise standards in this, as we do across the rest of our clinical and policy entities on other podcasts. So we wanted to make sure we filled in a bit of a gap, which we've noticed, whereby instead of it being sort of expert by um, by guru or services that, that then be being peddled or we even think that there's a bit much um, Americanized business books that are being parroted over microphones. And instead, we want to give you a bit of a warts and all assessment as to lessons we've learned in therapy business. I have. A few businesses one of which is a more standard clinic and MSK practice in South Manchester but also have my hand in various different education and media outlets and also run as a director a non-profit called MSK Reform. Uh, My colleague and co-host Rob Bevan is a chiropractor by background but someone that we are always laughing at the fact that we neither of us really care about our differences there professionally because we're MSK therapists at heart. Rob would you like to just introduce yourself for those that don't know and then get the show going?
1: Yes, good. Well, welcome to the show. My name's Rob. I am a chiropractor, as you said. I run a multidisciplinary clinic down in Sirencester in Gloucestershire. Um, We have a whole, uh, a large team of many different therapists all working together kind of under one brand. Um, You know, I've known Jack through doing various podcasts and we thought that this would be a really good idea, as I said, to discuss a lot of our difficulties and where where we've succeeded, where we failed, and kind of put that out there for the people who, may want to get into this space or the people who are already in this space who kind of, you know, want to listen to things that we've fallen down on. So for today's first show on the back of this difficult year, I know that we have been discussing kind of reviewing and summing up where we have may have failed, may have gone wrong and things we've done well. So I think we wanted to have a bit of an overview and I know that we're going to go into a little bit more detail about kind of these points later in the show. But should we kick it off by talking about, you know, specifics, Jack, that you feel that you may have gone wrong, or things you may have done differently if you had a do-over, kind of either this year or in setting up your practice as a whole.
0: Absolutely. Well, it was a, it was an irritatingly long list uh, when it when it came to, <laughs> came to make it, but I'll go for the big hitters. The first one was that I made the mistake of thinking that large and somewhat you know generically credible agencies, be that in say marketing, advertising, sales, that they would be um, appropriately au fait or able to empathise or understand a therapy business, a healthcare business uh, that otherwise might be a bit more niche than than the general. And unfortunately, that let me down several times. And I I didn't learn from this nearly quickly enough. And and unfortunately, that is costly, both in pocket and in time and in sort of mindset as well. It really drained me. Um, And one of the big things for me was that, you know, just now on reflection, these are companies that I was looking on and thinking well why are they behaving this way when they've got so many trust pilot reviews and otherwise respected and stuff and it's because fundamentally they've got a cookie cutter approach this is what we do for hairdressers this is what we do for local cafes and they are businesses that are somewhat translatable across those those disciplines whereas I'm not saying that 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 therapy businesses are a total unicorn but generally speaking there is something especially with regards to a um, a rehab centric progressive ethical private practice within healthcare that is then in a different spot than selling cakes and haircuts. It's just a, it's something that it's relevant that they should have known a little bit more about branding and messaging. And I was clumsy enough to think that that was something that we could just delegate to an agency. And unfortunately, <clears> People are good at spending other people's money and, and they may, and I made that mistake and thinking I could park that, even though admittedly what a clumsy thing when fundamentally that's one of my more comfortable skills in sales and marketing compared to most folks so I can't believe I made that mistake and if I'm making it I imagine others would too have you ever made those mistakes or are you just going to laugh at me?
1: Uh, I might (laughs) laugh at you as well but uh, no definitely and I think that very few people haven't made those mistakes I know I've definitely made those mistakes and I think when it comes to areas where are so far removed from our areas of expertise you know the the world of things like SEO and marketing you know, we don't learn about that. You know, it's not something that we know on the day that we you can, read, you can read a few books and you can brush up your own knowledge. But, you know, we definitely did that. I wanted to Im- improve our online presence. So you Google kind of SEO companies and my naivety thought, oh, well, the best SEO company on Google has to be the best SEO company because they come up number one. So if they can do it <laughs> themselves, then obviously they're going to work for us. And you know, I didn't, firstly, I thought it would be a quick thing to do. So I thought it would be a quick win by, you know, giving some people, you know, what, elemented to, you know, hundreds of pounds a month, you know, I think, you know, upwards of four or 500 pounds a month, we, we, it was probably costing us. And it was very easy to for them to say, oh, it's going to take quite a while for it to work. And I kind of went, oh, that makes sense. And the analogy they used was kind of like, it's a, it's a plane, you have to use loads of energy to take off. And then you kind of get it to the right altitude and then a you little bits of energy just to kind of keep it ticking over. But I think they said it might take, you know, the best part of six or eight months to kind of get you to the position where you want to. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I'm in a very small area. You know, I'm not in central London. I'm not in Birmingham. I'm not in Manchester. You know, it's not not big places. But yeah, we spent a lot with no results. And it's not until looking back, I've spoken to other experts who are a bit more niche in kind of our area. You know, they did, you know, sweet F all, basically, you know, what it comes, to, comes down to, which is. Yeah, you know, but, you know, they did something. So, you know, but at the time I didn't know any better.
0: And that's the difficulty, isn't it? Is that we sometimes, and this is one of the things I imagine we've come to talk about, maybe not on this show, but in the future, is that we kind of know what we want to measure ourselves and our team and our businesses against in terms of KPIs, but we then suddenly are making the mistake of not creating any sensible accountability framework or measurable milestones. And and they're good at spending your money, aren't they? And uh, and so, you know, we've got podcasts planned for bringing on our, our favourite experts in these spaces to, to make sure you don't make these mistakes because... The way to put it right, and I think we both agree on this, don't we, Rob, where it's that the way to put it right is to then do your due diligence, be more aggressive, almost consider it as if it's a sort of recruitment exercise rather than it being as you as a customer and start to then think about this being a pivotal part partnership that you need where people really do take the time to get to know your business. and so correcting for that is not is not easy but recognizing that you're you susceptible to that mistake is a, is a massive first yes. step so we don't want you to we don't want you to waste the thousands
1: we have on those sorts of things do we definitely and i think it's also having an element of understanding about around that industry you know which is you know and i think people get preyed upon um mm. in in that industry uh, especially if you don't know anything about it so knowing the terminology, knowing what the different, you know, white hat, white hat SEO versus black hat SEO and the little things like that, which I know that we'll get experts on to come and actually, you know, give proper definitions of, but knowing the differences. So when you speak to people, you're on the same terms, you know, and I think that we're bound by so many legalities in healthcare, you know, and we come from a place of being very ethical and probably have too much trust. And I think that a lot of businesses don't, you know, it's almost like the old fashioned window cleaner, window salesman, you know, of the eighties, all the stories you hear about. I think we have to be very careful. Yeah, very careful.
0: Unfortunately, I suppose, and this is an example, and I admit, I promise you this is not me, but I have a a friend in a different, a different industry who, um, who, who made a mistake of them paying an agency for SEO and because of her lack of knowledge in this space at all and excessive trust placed on an agency, they took a few hundred pounds of her money. And then she was delighted with the outcome until she realized it wasn't generating business. But for months, she was watching it within a few weeks, she was top of Google because they were running a really low grade ads campaign. So she was top of Google because her ads were appearing, but not necessarily on the search terms that they were getting her to then use at certain intervals. And it was just essentially fraud because essentially they the, what yeah. they'd done is because she didn't realize the difference between being organic search top and an ad and spend, paid ads. They then just ran a small portion of what she was paying them through an ad spend. It's just, just a fascinating mistake to make, but one that comes from her lack of a knowledge of the, some of the jargon. And, and so you're absolutely mm. right. You're, you're, vom- you're more vulnerable if you don't know. And it, 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 that's an area where it is worth at least getting, getting a baseline knowledge.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's almost criminal, really. Well, I know. I, and
0: I, and I, I was saying it's well worth looking into. And I don't know if she did end up instructing, but it was one of those mm. things where once she got over the embarrassment, it was definitely one for her to look closely at what they'd said they were going to do. And I, I don't yeah. know if they were vague enough to, to have got away with it. But um, that's the sort of thing where it, it, there's, there's obviously an extreme example. And then these versions of that from them being charlatans to people just over promising and everything in yeah. between what um what was on I, I joked and said my list was long and so um what what was that what was maybe yours
1: was shorter I imagine but what what on <laughs> um, top of yours um I think uh delegation early delegation um or delegation was a something which took me a long time to learn how to do and learn when to do I think that we came from a, a position where when I started my clinic, it was just myself and my wife. It was just two of us. One of us saw patients. One of us was reception slash manager. And then we swapped. Um, we kind of did that for you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day. And when we first brought someone else on board, obviously, that was a, a big step initially. And then we'll kind of come on to that in future episodes or, or later today. But knowing when to bring someone on to do something else, whether that was advertising, whether it was social media, was massive for us and it's something that we didn't really properly do for years after we after we ran the business and we didn't want to lose that control and that was a big step yeah. and i think that everybody who's who runs a practice will be in the same boat and they're thinking oh and not necessarily about the money but it's more about the control or oh, do, do i trust them to know where i'm coming from and do i trust them with my to be putting out the right messages that i want to be putting out to patients whether that's you know things like picking up the phone you know that's a big a big part of your business picking up the phone So, yeah, knowing when to delegate, I don't think you see the results from that instantly, but it's something that does reap huge results further down the line
0: yeah absolutely that's one of the things isn't it as well to know um, is to yeah you've got these direct attributable market uh marketing exercises that bring you patients that are measurable but then you've also got this sort of general you're trying to take the water in which everyone swims your brand awareness and recognition logo the ethos you have yeah yeah yeah. what what i I recognize myself in that as well um, and i think i've made those mistakes but generally i've been very fortunate more luck than judgment really in that because of the other work i do with regards to having an education and a media company and also an networking which I've then been pursuing policy especially when I was sort of part time with it and still pursuing an NHS career meant that I was um, I was it was it was necessary with the volume we were doing and the amount of accounts that we had especially with social media etc is that I had to delegate that early it was totally it was totally impossible and so I was quite aware then of what my thresholds were uh, as to what I was comfortable with being delegated and also then the quality of early work that they produce, which is always going to have a deficit from what you might have done, right? There's this way, especially because you get lost in your own head sometimes, that's how you would have done it. And then that's the, the way that they do it. Sometimes it surpasses your expectations to do it better than you. But especially yeah. early doors, there's a gap there that's usually of a, you know, you've got a deficit between what you'd have done and what they've done. And then you try to yeah. try and school them up as close to you can to what you might do. And I had to get comfortable fairly quickly, especially with physiomatter stuff as to what I was having delegated, what that deficit might be. And so getting used to that was definitely helpful for my clinical business, whereby you then, and also the opportunities I had, uh, and I know you've done something similar, but more of an intranet rather than intranet uh, style, in that obviously my ethos has been broadcast for so many years, it's quite helpful for people to be on brand quicker than most would be, whereas you've replicated some tactics there to try and get people up to speed and in, in, in keeping with and understanding what your style is um, more internally. So tell folk about that, because that's a useful...
1: Yeah, so we've got a couple of tools that we use kind of internally, um, as you said, once you went past a certain size in terms of team, it was very difficult to have regular meetings, you know, whether that's weekly meetings, we've got staff with young families and all sorts of things. So a couple of things that we did to kind of help ingrain that ethos that I believed in and that I wanted our clinic to stand for um, was kind of, well, first, you kind of come up with our own set of core values, what myself and Laura wanted the clinic to stand for, what do we want to emphasise and having kind of that list of core values that we kind of came up with and then ingraining that into everything that we did. So every question that we said, okay, does this meet the, the values that we wanted to, that we want to achieve of, you know, of honesty and, and, you know, self-efficacy with patients. And then again, getting this message across to our staff members, I did things like we, we started a blog, um, which was kind of a a public, um, a private blog for our staff where anytime there's something that I wanted to get across, I wrote a blog on it and shared it with the team members and it was Some things which I felt that I wanted to, that weren't being done right or weren't matching the standards that I kind of, Laura and I had worked so hard to kind of set up. So I'd write a a general blog on it. It wouldn't be about picking up particular people on certain things, but just a general blog kind of emphasizing why we do certain things and why we do them, why we answer the phone in a particular way, why we say goodbye and hello to patients in certain ways. what, What atmosphere does that create in the clinic? You know, welcoming people is such a big part of the, of, the, of the clinic. You know, letting patients go into the door in front of you when, you, when they go into a, a consultation room. Little things like that, you know, make the difference. And when that's not being done, and it's very easy to let standard slides, I kind of pulled it up. Did you have a similar thing? You know, when you feel that people aren't meeting you know, expectations, yeah, do you pull absolutely. them up on it?
0: Well, I think it's one of the things that's interesting is that uh, I'm very fortunate, again, more luck than judgment, is to have been able to share, especially the clinical side of the philosophy and the, the ethic, has been something that's been pretty publicly broadcast, and so it's rare that, especially someone that wants to work anywhere near us, hasn't at least engaged with that material. Not all of it necessarily. We won't test them on it, but that's kind of helpful as a baseline, and then everything sort of goes downstream from there as to why we might do it, and also that the, the importance of impression, etc. And so, yeah, I I think you know you're absolutely right, and the and the systems you're describing sound sound familiar. I always want to just flag um, and, and also get your reflection on this: is that done badly? That's incredibly passive-aggressive, isn't it? If they just re- if your staff are recognising themselves in that in that blog in such a way, they just think, you know, for God's sake, Rob, we could have brought that up with me. That's that's not a cool way of so actually poor management. So it's a it's a balancing act there. I'm not going to invite as to whether you've made that mistake, but it's just that I know plenty have, and I was wondering what your top tips for mitigating that mistake would be.
1: Um, uh, yeah, definitely, and it's something that I've always been wary of. You know, so I've noticed something. My first instinct is always to bring it up with that staff member as soon as you can. And I think that's the, the difficulty. You know, when someone says something, say you overhear a, a phrase in reception that you don't particularly like is nip it in the bud then and there, as opposed to in a week down the line saying, oh, do you remember when you said that to Mrs Smith last week? oh, what did I say? It, it doesn't work. You know, you have to bring these things up instantly. And it's as if and you've then... skewed on it.
0: It's as if you've made it more than it exactly. is. Like, that's been bothering me all
1: week. It's like, God, it was only a phrase. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you can put it in its context. And being friendly about it. So, you know, w- when you said that, you know, why did you phrase it like that? You know, you know, well, actually, if you did it this way, you know, that has this. And have logical reasons for why you're saying what you're doing it, not just because you don't like it. And and I think that that comes from that parenting, you know, authoritarian position which is not the way I wanted to run a clinic. You know, people work, although they technically work for me, they work with me, you know, or I work for them. More importantly, it's probably a better way of putting it. You know, I work for my staff, you know, and, you know, so coming at it from from that perspective, and then I was very, a lot of my blog posts and Google Drive documents, you know, are all very general, general points about welcoming people and gaining compliance and, and that type of things. They very rarely talk about specifics. And if it is a specific point, it's quite, far removed from you know a specific incident that happened in the clinic and if it is then i would have already spoken to him about it beforehand
0: yeah and also it's a smart way of making sure you get your thoughts out in terms of your reflection sometimes as to it takes sometimes for moments like that to happen where you then learn as to yourself why do we do it like that why do we yeah. do it like that or how because usually that's an evolution that's occurred in you for a few years you've come to a conclusion it's a bit ridiculous if you're not articulating it well and you know, it's a reflection on yourself to then think well actually i've just not I've not given them the basis to understand why that's actually quite important. And so they've kind yep. of gone rogue and not realized they're going rogue. So, you know, usually it's just a decent teaching point, isn't it? I've got a point on the, on the um, delegation front for me was, yeah. was that um, I, as I said, for various reasons felt that I was all right with it because I had to on other projects that were just growing in, in such a way. And also there was a the natural voluntarism that comes with that whereby you know we were creating something that was going to hopefully do significant good, namely the podcast and all this stuff that's then surrounded that meaning that people were willing to sort of volunteer a certain amount of their time to sort of participate within it feels like that's a it's often a different different and difficult delegation exercise with volunteers but it's slightly different conversation but when it came to certain things clinically the biggest thing for me was to Mapping the forecasts and, th- and identifying timeframes and scales for when you know, you're basically runway for break even, et cetera, and when you might be able to then stop yourself sweating as a business owner and start at least remunerating yourself at a basic salary level on your time. I mistook that timeframe because the first thing I was going to do was then do that when actually what I needed to do is kick that on a little bit and manage my own expectations better because the first thing I should have done is then employ that delegation, you know, identify someone that, that could then take that over earlier and allow myself whilst you know, sweat swept myself and my family out even more than we, we had done because it inevitably needed to do that. You know, it was like mm-hmm. at some point, there, there were only ever going to be a few weeks in which you could do that before you realized that you were, you were going to be prone to completely overwhelming yourself, especially yeah. with the other projects that we had on. That was a naivety that, 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 that I think that others needn't make uh, if, they, if they're vulnerable
1: to. Yeah. And I think a big, you know, an example of that would be, for example, hiring a receptionist. You know, that was something which, you know, I think that, again, personal opinion is that it's something which people, a lot of people, I, I wish I'd done earlier. And I think that a lot of people don't do it. And I think that's a lot of falling downs. I mean, Covid 2020 changed a lot of things, you know, having the ability to have receptions and them being illegal was, was a bit of a bit of a change. But, you know, as soon as we had that receptionist, it meant immediately we could double our workload because I wasn't having to pick up the phone for, for five hours and Laura was working. It, it could switch. But the outlay of money to do that, when you're thinking, well, actually to have a receptionist, you know, four, five, six days a week or even half days, you know, that's suddenly a thousand pounds a month or, you know, give or take that I'm going to have to find. You're thinking, well, that's going to come out of my earnings. It's far easier just for me to, you know, take that. And I don't mind picking up the phone. It's not very difficult. So it's seeing that long-term gain, which, you know, is a big jump. You know? And also getting, a-
0: get, getting the comfort within an understanding of your own cash flow as to what that will unlock. Because sometimes, yeah. I, again, I, I don't, it's funny. I've got to think very, far back to be quite as naive as this. But there was a time where I was like, what might a receptionist think, you know, be... And I'm looking at their pro-rated salary on an annual basis as if that that, and that would feel like an affront. It's like, well, we just can't... There's no way we can afford 20 grand at this point, maybe soon. Whereas not you're not doing that, are you? No. Who on earth is paying them an annual salary all at once? So that's not the yeah. conversation. It's just that those broadly economic... And, I, and this is what's interesting. I wonder if... Um, professionally that's a relevant difference whereby you guys are better prepped into going into small business ventures than, than physios are because the the majority there's a majority of Kairos that go and do that whereas a minority of physios do and I think that I've heard not necessarily from you but I've heard from others that that might be something that that, that you might not uh, have ever been that naive as I was then.
1: So that's a really interesting point and something I wanted to kind of bring up on this as well was there is that misconception that for some reason I've heard it all sorts of things that You know, I've heard also, you know, almost some of the more derogatory side of it. You know, I think when I did a presentation on it once, there was someone who brought up that chiropractors get business lessons rather than ethics ethics lessons. You know, that sort of thing. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, and you know, we 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 didn't have anything. But I think the I think we had one lecture from the Advertising Standards Agency on on which I think all professions did. But that was it. But no, I think the difference lies where the route from. MSK physio naturally everything funnels towards the nhs and you know chiropractors have that expectation of yes whilst there are positions in nhs that we have that natural expectation to work in an autonomous setting from kind of day one so you're expected to market yourself and practice yourself whereas so that's always at the back of your mind so although it's not taught on it's thought about probably from day one in practice you know uh, you know when I've, i've hired new chiros and that's something i've noticed is the difference Kiris will come to me and they say okay brilliant so how do I get patients you know w- what do I do and oh I've, I've come up with this list of talks to go and give to to various groups and I say brilliant you know cool and they have that probably thought earlier um and again, I'm being very general here not at all and some have been useless have yeah. been fantastic and and same for your profession I'm sure you found exactly the same thing um but, you know, they've had that thought probably a bit earlier, which is an interesting a, interesting difference. It's a good point. It's not as much a formal education as it is the fact that they've been thinking in that
0: direction because of the mm. nature of, or the, if they've been, had any sense to, then they would do, because that's the nature yeah. of job planning, you know, where you're going to be in a few years' time. You've got that understanding. Whereas, yeah, done, done on the typical route, you're looking at, at physios then just earning their stripes and cutting their teeth in, in the National Health Service, of which they're yeah. just an extension of placements in which there's been vast majority of them being then in the NHS. So, you know, it yeah. makes sense that way. Um wondered on, um, on other, other f- mistakes. We, I nearly said failures then. We sort of laughed about the fact that it's like well, yeah. totally neither of us have encountered a totally catastrophic failure.
1: Um, and so instead, mistakes is the better phrase. But, yeah, what else was on your list, mate? Um, getting my systems in place is probably another one. Um, having clinic systems running without you knowing about it or without you even thinking about it so you know when we started we just ran a clinic we pick up the phone saw a patient went home you know it's pretty much how it went we didn't document what we were doing so then when we tried to delegate and this goes a little bit back to the delegation we didn't have those systems in place so when things went wrong or people didn't know what to do we didn't have anywhere for them to turn so having those And the first thing we did was, okay, what do we do on a daily basis? Everything from the cleaning rotor. So when I say, oh, that hasn't been done. Why is no one swept? Oh, what day do we sweep the floor? You know, we didn't have that in place. So little things like that. So we went through a month, we documented every single thing that we did from, you know, picking up the phone to when we emptied the dishwasher, to, so we had it all down and then people could easily go, okay, it's Tuesday. And then that then implemented with, you know, tools like Asana and, you know, I think use a similar, similar program. Um, which automatically had all that. So on a Tuesday, it pops up and says, you know, polish the front door, you know, on on a Tuesday morning, nine o'clock. So it, it, it automatic delegation to other people. Did you find similar with your kind of clinic Systems.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we, and this is a good point because it's a mistake that that probably a relatively recent one, especially when setting up the the clinic. It was relevant. There was a, there were significant relevant differences between. So, just for a bit of background, is probably relevant here because it's one of the mistakes that's on my list. Is the fact that I had a business that was started as a consultancy uh, for second opinion work across amateur sports teams, semi-professional sports teams, and uh, and and then eventually needed some bricks and mortar and people come to come to us rather than it just being sort of me and and, and a few others then uh, network driving and so therefore there were two things really is that the clinic was very different to what that business was and what its systems were for obvious reasons but then also it didn't template well for my other businesses and ventures and so it was something that its uniqueness I probably underestimated and one of the things that uh, I then did is it was I'll cross that bridge when I come to it and didn't really set the systems up because I was complacent in thinking well my uh, network of consultants seeing second opinion work in amateur clubs, et cetera, needs these systems and this baseline governance. Similarly, you know, I've got SOPs coming out of his ears for physio matters and events coverage and things like that it's actually going to be more straightforward in here. And in some ways it was, but that didn't mean it didn't need systems. It didn't need mm. stops. It, it's just something that I probably was a bit slow on. And so, yes, absolutely. Top advice for you to get on top of uh, ASAP and to not cross that bridge when you come to it, right? If it's, yeah. if it's a bridge, if there's a bridge coming and you get there and you it's either not there or it's not in the shape and size and, and, and yeah. you haven't got the skill set to cross it, you don't want to find that out when you get there. That is a shame because that's
1: when you're busy, inevitably. And one thing we did as well was, basically imagining worst case scenarios and it's almost like a you know stoic technique was imagining you know what if this happened tomorrow what would we do and then acting on that now and that can be everything from competitor management to uh, you know there's a flood or receptors not turning up or whatever it is okay what what happens if this happens and then having a protocol in place that 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 you know standard operating procedure or protocol that you know so we foresee that so then, it takes the worry out of it—the mental worry. Or you know, do we have a backup payment system in case the card machine's not working? Do we have a Stripe account, for example, where we can as invoice someone? You know, do we have enough change? You know, those little things. Absolutely. So we had those fallback yeah, procedures, yeah. or always in, or always ready. Um, and we still do, obviously, to this day. So you know, if something does go a over t, we've got it. I what else it was is on your list? No, sorry, well, no, it's a, it's a, just on that. It's like amusing because I'm thinking for
0: you listeners um, me and Ma- me and rob sit here as fans of Marcus Aurelius and Stoic philosophy and if you're fine if you're someone that don't want to nerd in that direction that's fine and if you're someone that really is even irritated by the concept of a thought experiment or to put yourself through that by thinking about these you know it feels sometimes to some people too pessimistic to problem solve like that then find someone that can it might not be your dis- disposition but you need to get someone to truly at least by thought, stress test it because otherwise they just come down the line and trust me, that's a harder thing to deal with. So we totally accept that we're biased in, in being fans in that direction and clearly being of dispositions that do think in that direction. But I don't think there's an easy way to replicate that. If you're a, if you're a, if you're a blue sky thinker that really gets frustrated by it feeling too pessimistic to problematize your business that way, find someone that can. Um, a friend family member one of your colleagues even be one of those people that kind of irritates you that they're a bit of a a bit of a naysayer this is exactly where they come to the fore they need to be the ones that sort
1: of poke away at your systems and 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 definitely that's one of the ways you can make it more robust and you learn from the negativity so you uh, negativity is where they're on but you you learn from that and we've probably learned more from bad experience with patients than good experience with patients you know when you know, little things like, you know, if someone complains about something, you act on that, you know, whether that's, you know, a, a dirty bathroom or whether it's a, you know, they're not, you know, I can't think of any examples off my head, you know, the gowns aren't right or the towels are you know, too rough, whatever it might be. You <laughs> learn from that, you know, and these are things which you then change. When someone comes down and loves everything, they don't really, you don't really learn anything from that. Mm, no absolutely and I
0: think that that's where uh, you know you've got to try and get that balance I guess I suppose I'm not going to mean to disagree with you but equally you, do, you want to allow yourself that win if someone's giving you five stars across the board and you want to try yeah. and replicate that then allow yourself the brief moment to pat yourself yeah. on the back <laughs> yeah, but <that's> similarly right. <laughs> just in case everyone heard anyone heard Rob suggest then that you can't uh, allow yourself those wins but similarly there are there are more lessons that emerge from criticism and you, you need to make sure that you've developed an appropriately thick skin uh, that then helps you to, to not be so impervious that your, your skin's so thick that it completely doesn't penetrate and therefore you don't act on it, but similarly that it doesn't wound you and, and crush you when you've actually had, you know, it's the one person out of 10 that day that's even suggested anything as progress uh, points. So, you know, you've got to get that balance right really in terms of being reflective and adaptive without it necessarily sort of keeping you awake at night.
1: And that's something which is probably another mistake which I did wrong, which was taking everything personally. And something we did early on was having feedback scores. So every new patient and every on a set amount of uh, times they visited the clinic, they have a what we call an NPS score, a net promoter score. And it's a a gradient of one to 10. Just, you know, how likely are you to recommend your family or friends to the clinic? And, you know, we're very fortunate that we have a very high score in this. You know, we average about 9.6 or something like that across the clinic, which is unbelievable. We're very lucky. We work hard to keep that. But occasionally when we've had uh, a lower score, and I always took it to heart and I'm thinking, oh, God, you know, what, what have I done wrong? Or, you know, do I want to bring this up with the start-up member in question? And sometimes it's completely innocuous points. You know, so people might say three out of 10, you know, I'm not quite better yet after the first session. You know, that type of thing. You're thinking, you know, that, that's kind of a bit ridiculous. But some of the points, actually, if you take them to heart, it only, you know, you sleep badly. Whereas, actually, if you use them as improvement points and, and leverage to grow, then you can see it as a positive.
0: Yeah, and again, just protect yourself from that if you notice that that's something that you're bad for anyway. If you're someone that does neg on yourself, uh, you know, you might be sort of. someone that, that uh, does overindulge those things and it, it struggles to be something that bounces off you and doesn't affect you then you need to make sure that especially if you're going to weigh in on on therapy business stuff especially in these times you need to make sure that uh, we're not saying just to try and put you off it but just make sure that you sort of set up systems and have the right people around you that can that can make sure that that doesn't drag you down because otherwise that would be and it would be a real shame and the reason we're passionate about this enough to be doing this podcast is in part because if you're someone that's got a lot to offer the health of this nation then please we do not want you burning out we don't want you nagging yourself out we don't want you pouring over bad reviews when realistically that's the one of the week we want you to be delivering quality health care and so please do uh, learn from that mistake because it's something that we definitely are all guilty of making and if you're someone that can allow you that to, to wind you too much then that's definitely something i imagine we'll reflect on in future episodes is there's a few different routes to that problem isn't there there's a few different ways in which you can al- allow that to to stay with you and, and, and potentially that made made pathologically sort of a burnout situation. And there's a few different ways in which you can do it, taking on too much under delegating. A lot of the things that we've just talked about, imagine when they all happen at once and those failures might happen at a moment in time together. That's a, obviously a recipe for, for failure across the board and, and, and catastrophic failure, uh, which is why we said the mistakes rather than failures, because it's usually a cluster of mistakes that could mm. really cause that failure is there anything else you want to add mate i think we've been fairly thorough there at least giving people a taster
1: yeah i think that's given us a lot to kind of divulge and move into in the future as well there's i think that was all things on on my list i'm sure there's a few little pedantic (laughs) pedantic things that kind of mistakes i don't know about you well
0: yeah as i I embarrassingly said you know it's something we can't be here all day if we went through my entire failure list i think one thing that's worth saying as well is um we're every single one of these things in the list we're looking forward to unpacking both those uh, the, the the detail and the analysis because the devil in the detail is relevant there like it's yeah. it's also the solutions that we've come to um, and, and even sometimes the uh, the the way in which we tend to want to reflect on this is that there's a few different ways out of that a few different ways to skin that cat so we're not going to be here to tell you this is the way to do it in fact you know we're both a bit we're laughed about the fact that we're both uncomfortable as if to come across as if we've got some sort of perfect and thriving business especially in this in this climate you know I've got that as an admission and one of the failures I've had one of the mistakes I've made this year is because of the circumstances and the pressure that's come with this year is that i then ended up drawn too thin across my projects and enterprises I had a balanced plan for for this year especially with young children and that it meant that you then ended up in a situation where I was then drawn drawn thin as a leader and so while some of that I couldn't control for there's also this important point whereby this podcast is not one in which you're going to hear from us sort of saying our way is the way gospel according to Rob and Jack it's certainly not that and we want you to make sure you feedback, get some questions in so that you can try and inspire some of the topics and we'll zoom in as closely as we can get the actual experts in the room that we know and trust and try and help you to learn from our mistakes so I think yeah that brings us brings us to a close, Rob.
1: yeah i think it does and, and i think also for people listening as well it's also if you disagree because as you said we're it's not our way of the highway these are just our kind of thought experiments things we've you know done tried tested you know learned from which people have been and done exactly the same things and people might have found that our way didn't work for a particular reason so if people are disagreeing with something that we've done we want to hear as well it's exactly the same exactly the same the same feedback
0: absolutely and you know do not be surprised if our instinctive answer as we're learning as we go along with this is to say come on the show and tell <laughs> us about that tell yeah. us about this generic agency that treat you just like a hairdresser and they knocked out of the park <laughs> you know that's the sort of example we'd love to hear because you know we, we feel like there's some commonalities that we've noticed amongst our businesses that that potentially it, it, if we're both anomalies then maybe we're we're thinking there's a theme there when there isn't so please do let us know yeah. it's a great point and so do follow along make sure you follow this feed as well we'll be boosting certain episodes on the main Physio Matters feed do not be complacent because it won't be every episode so make sure you find it in your podcast players and apps wherever you might listen to this type in therapy business matters and you will get these episodes on a regular basis and if you're listening to this as the first episode before Christmas because we did pull his finger out and it is out there before Christmas <laughs> have a lovely holiday season and we'll be you'll be hearing more From us, and hope you have a lovely time.
1: Fantastic! Thanks ever so much for listening.